whenever we can realize that, isn't it? It's amazing how long sometimes it can take us mortals to get to such a spot where we think and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we cannot, absolutely cannot, complete His desired purpose for our life without Him doing it. The prophet tells us that God will take empty vessels and with that is what He'll use to conquer empty vessels. They say, well, what am I full of? Well, most of us are full of ourselves. I'm talking about after we become saved. You know, when you're out there in the world, you're full of all that garbage out there. Then we empty out of that garbage and we fill ourselves with the worst things we could, us. So what does God work on? Just constantly getting, getting rid of us. The more he gets rid of us, the more he can do through us. Greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. Certainly glad to be home. Glad to see all you good little sheepies. And you bad little sheepies too. It's good to see you. Wish y'all could have been with us down at the camp. We had an awesome time, didn't we, Brother Wes? The Lord was just so, so wonderful. Brother Ron, Brother Andrew did a great job. Certainly appreciate Brother Tim for all these years doing all of that. You know, it's been a, I know it's been a tremendous load on them. Uh, I so appreciate it. I'm not sure that some of you know it, but Brother John LaFontaine preached the first camp that they had years and years ago, which would have been 86 or 87, something like that. And then I preached the second one, and then how many ever thereafter. But Brother Tim kind of felt sorry for me, getting old and feeble and all that. So he wanted me to at least come back one more year so I, before I got to a place that I couldn't travel. Wasn't that nice of him? Yeah. Just, <laughs> Amen. We certainly enjoyed, enjoyed being there. Enjoyed what the Lord did for the young people. I've heard so many wonderful things just from different young people, not only our own, but others. I love to see God move for his people. Amen. Amen. Let's turn tonight to the book of Nehemiah, if you would. <clears throat> Chapter 8, verse 1. If y'all didn't see it, you need to um, look at the end of the service on Saturday night, and you'll see two old men holding hands, dancing. Have y'all seen that? Them was real dance partners, weren't they? Amen. You don't realize what a miracle it was, friends, for Brother Ron Spencer to be able to preach and pray for all of those people and still be able to shout like that at the end of the service. It was truly a miracle from God. Amen. God is so good, isn't he? So good. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation both of men and women and all that could hear with understanding. Isn't that amazing? All of those that could hear with understanding. How many knows that's the kind of people we want to be? Yes, sir. All that could hear 
with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and all those. I mean, is this guy, he just, he don't have enough words so he has to repeat himself? You talking about important. Remember when Jesus was here and Jesus would say, verily, verily, or surely, surely, or truly, truly. Now, it was not that Jesus was mincing words and just repeating himself, but it was emphasized by using the same word twice. I want you to notice that the writer here of Nehemiah emphasizes this again. And those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. How many wants to be attentive tonight? Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, we count it an honor, a privilege to be able to be gathered together again. Lord, we never want to take this for granted. We never want to think, well, church will always be there and I can just go when I want to. Lord, may we realize what an opportunity is given to us to be able to assemble ourselves in the house of God. How our brothers and sisters from the Ukraine would love to be able to go back to their homes, their churches. Oh, but for many of them, their homes are gone. Their churches no longer exist. How they would love to be able to go back home, be able to have church and have their lives back. Father, I pray that you would help us to realize in a moment, in a moment of time, if Russia aims her nuclear warheads toward America, this could be our last service. Because according to the message of the hour, the bride will not be here whenever that first one hits. So Lord, help us, I pray. It's amazing how many articles in the news, how many videos on YouTube on a daily, a daily schedule. More and more and more. Nuclear this, nuclear that. Just today, we have news that Russia had tested a brand new missile. We know what it's all about, Lord. But Father, we're so grateful that we have you tonight and that we're hid under the wings of the Almighty. Would you give, a, give us attentive ears, an open heart? Help us to get into the spirit of your word that we can receive tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the saint said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's amazing what books can contain. How many knows what this blue book is? Anybody? Hmm. No one. How many knows what the orange one is? Nobody. How many knows what this one is? 
couple. This one. So a book could have such wonderful things in it and yet still people not be benefited by it unless they would have an ability to understand. Now, being English-speaking people, all of these books, as you can assume, are written in English. But even though you might speak English, it doesn't mean that you could read English. So it's amazing that you could talk the talk and not be able to read it. That basically, you learned at home. You heard your mom and daddy say this, that, the other, and you couldn't spell it yourself. You wasn't good in grammar. You wasn't good in homiletics or many of them other letics and all the rest of the stuff. But you can talk it, but you can't really read it. So it's not just enough to be able to talk the talk, but we want to be able to walk the walk. Now, in these books are different things, and I'll let you know that they're all songbooks. Now, this one is the Believer's Songbook. Now, it's amazing how that when I turn it from the back side of the book, and I turn it to the front side, and then those of you that can read, and if you can see that far, then you are now enlightened to what this contains but you still don't know what page one is, or page two, page 20, page 35. Now, how are you going to be able to do that? Once the book is actually opened, and then you or someone else starts looking through that book, and they go to preface, and then they will come over to page one and tell you on page one or page two, and they keep turning, and then they are enlightening you to the contents in the book. Now, we could take each one of these books and go through the same thing. Now, I'm sure that every one of you after church is going to be looking for one of these, try to figure out what's there, right? You think you're going to get a test on this. Well, you're not. But you think of how that God in His mercy is able to write such great things. Now, no doubt, many of the songs that are in these books that I'm holding tonight, they contain some of the great, great hymns that have been sung, especially this one here because it's a very old one, sung down through the ages. Some of them written in 1910, some of them 1928, some 1945. Why do I know that? Because I know what's in the book. Now see, you're taking my word for what's inside the book. Why do I know it? I'm not guessing because I've looked at the book, I know the songs that are there, and I've checked the copyright dates. So I know when they were copyrighted, I also can know whenever the copyright will expire. Most of you, you don't know that. It's of no interest to you. So then someone who is illuminated by what the book contains, they can take the same book that you might have an exact copy of this. And you would just turn that and say, well, let's turn to page 108, all right? You turn to page 108, and then what's in there? One of these days, it's a, oh, praise 
God. We're going to sing one of these days. Well, all you know is one of these days. You don't know who even wrote the song. You don't know how the story, the background come from the song when it was copyrighted in the Library of Congress. You don't anything about that because it doesn't really interest you. So you just sang the song. You may never sing it again. But you see, God calls men and he places them in the ministry. Now, it's been that way, of course, for thousands of years under the ministry of Ezra, him being a scribe. A scribe was one who wrote the law. Now, they did not have printing presses, of course, in the way that they did under Luther's Reformation and in our day going digital, but it would be people that would take a scroll written on an animal hide, and then they would sit over there and meticulously write this from the Hebrew, and they would write from the right to the left, unlike us. So they would take there and go down through each letter and copy that. So that was a scribe. So a scribe would be a guy that would have a pretty good memory because this is pretty much what he done. So he would write and take and make one copy handwritten after another after another. Now Ezra was that type of a guy. But he was also a priest. So he would have a great knowledge of the word, of what the word contained because he wrote it over and over and over again. But he was also a priest which gave him the ability to be able to offer sacrifices unto the presence of God. But Nehemiah, as we've already looked at, was the Tershatha. So Nehemiah was the governor or the man in the land that was in charge of a lot of domestic types of problems. And he was one that was gifted by God, used by God, God in a great way, yet he was not a priest, so he could not offer a sacrifice. He was not a scribe. Now, he was able to read, no doubt, but he would not have been as well versed as Ezra would have been. So Nehemiah was one that could talk about the word. He could be able to give examples about the word. He had a great burden for what God had called him to do. But when it comes to standing up and commenting on the word behind the pulpit, it was amazing Nehemiah didn't feel he was qualified. Now, what I find so amazing down through the ages that you've always had men that were around the move of God, more so men than women, sometimes women, but men that felt because they were sometimes businessmen or men that had reached down and pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, as we, were, as we would say, and they felt qualified to lead God's people. So they felt because of that, they could take the word and they could just handle the word like any priest or any other God called men. But that's not the way God did it then and it's not the way God does it now. Is that right? So I want you to notice now that we're reading in Nehemiah chapter 8. Chapter 8. Now God's numerics of the Bible are very important. And it's amazing when you go to looking at the parallel of how numbers will run in sequence in the Bible. Now I realize the devil has a false one of that and people become so upset and so nervous and scared to death. But remember the devil only impersonates or mocks what God does in the original. So here it is in Nehemiah chapter 8. Now 
Now watch again in verse 5. And Nehemiah, or Ezra rather, opened the book in the sight of all the people. Now I want you to say that the people themselves did not have a personal copy. So it wasn't like they had a Bible laying beside them or had one on their phone or everybody had one in their home. No, there might have been one among that congregation of between 30 and 50,000 people. So they had would have one or maybe at the most four or five that the scribes was praying. No telling how long but the day that it would take to be able to take the law that Moses had given to them by the inspiration of God. And a man would have to handwrite each one and then he would go back and check himself to make sure that he hadn't made any mistakes. And then they would go back and have others to proofread it and they wanted to make sure that they had done their very best possible. So Ezra stands up and he opens the book. I think most of the people had never even personally handed, handed to them the Torah. They had never seen the Torah themselves. Their eyes had never even for some of them even beheld. They've not been out of Babylonian captivity, Persian captivity that long. And for some of them in their lifetime they had never seen God's word. Never. Shame on us. We've got it and don't even hardly read it. So whenever they would have seen the book open, now personally, to have had it, to have read it, to have understood it, most of them could not have understood by memorization. And remember, coming out from in underneath the Babylonian and then switching over to the Persian Empire, they would have been under the influence culturally, they would have been under the influence by language and by many different aspects that they were still influence by the time they left all of those empires to come back in to Jerusalem. So they're in a, an entire new learning curve. Remember, the Bible tells us that for some of them their speech was mixed up because they would speak in the language of the Jews and then half of them would speak in the language of Ashdod. So this was the culture. This is where they were raised up. Some of them did not even know Hebrew. By now they the Hebrew language had already been hybridized and by now the Yiddish was already in existence which became a conglomeration. I mean the language in, in South Africa which is called Afrikaans for those of you that don't know it. It is not really just a tribal language of the African tribesmen themselves but it is a mixture of languages of the Dutch and of uh, the different tribal languages so it's African because they would go in there and they did the gold mines and much of the work was there and they had many of those to do it. So it developed out of that. So it was kind of a crossing over and a mixing of the languages. So there were a few of these people that would have spoken pure Hebrew. And yet, even if they would have had the opportunity to have a book, they probably couldn't have even understood it because their fathers and their grandfathers of their unbelief had led them down to the land of Babylon and for some of them, they'd never even seen Jerusalem. This is their first time. They'd never held a Bible. So Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people and when he opened it, all the people saw 
stood up. Now, Nehemiah, Ezra, the different men that were there, it's going to take a merging together of all of them doing their part. Now, I, I hope that God helps each of us to realize that God is not complete in one person in a church. I do not make Happy Valley Church. I am only one small part. There's no other individual here tonight and those that are streaming that makes up Happy Valley Church, but all of us, all of us baptized into the body of Christ, we make up the body of Christ. It's the same with ministries, and we look at the ministries are around the world, and we would look at the different brothers, and they're so gifted, and gifted in different ways, in different ways that God deals with them, and how they preach, and how they handle the word, and how God deals with them. Some in the early morning hours, and some, you know, God deals with them in other ways, and some God may deal with them in dreams, and that's scriptural, is it not? Uh, God said he would do that, and yet some would look and say, well, if a man doesn't do this way, this guy right here, that's the way every preacher should be. Well, that ain't the way God thinks so, or God would make everyone exactly the same. So God diversifies his gifts, and God will diversify the men that he puts the gifts in, and whenever God sends them to the body, then the diversification of those gifts are actually needful for the body themselves. Is that right? Why? Because God wants it that way. Now Ezra, when he lifted up the scroll, there was the people had such a reverence. And here again, Nehemiah felt that this was not his place to handle the word. Did that make him a nothing and a nobody? By no means. God had just used this man to do a great feat. Why didn't God use Ezra? Well, that was God's choice. Apparently, Nehemiah had certain abilities about him that God wanted to use for the, the things of the government and the things of contacting the king and so on. And yet there was a great position that the man had. Ezra was not the cupbearer before the king, but Nehemiah was. So God placed him in that particular spot and no doubt Ezra had never even personally known the king. So God ordained each one of them for a certain place. And if we can ever find that spot that God wants us to be and we don't feel as ourselves that we're nothing and we're nobody and we're not important and then on the other hand if God uses us we don't look down our nose at others because God don't use them in the same capacity that he uses us but if we can believe that God does everything perfect and God makes no mistakes and God calls people for different gifts different administrations is that right? And God, if we can all find that spot and realize, as our brother's saying, Lord, without you, we are nothing. My, I hear men preach and I think, boy, I get ashamed of myself. I want to fold up my iPad and just go to house and think I'm going to get me a rocking chair and sit out in the front porch the rest of my life and just rock the time away. But then I hear some of them say, oh, brother Donnie, oh my goodness, where in the world did you get that out? And say, oh, wow, so you got something out of what I preach too, huh? Wow. So God, 
God must use me and then God will use that man and God will use that man. Why? Because God wants to show. No, friend, we are no longer pointing to a one-man live ministry that is on the earth. You know, but it's the nature of people to want to go that way. They want, oh, they're so blessed by this particular ministry and they want everybody in the message to follow that particular man. Well, that's not God's choice. Everybody in the message will follow the ministry of one man when it comes to the word of the hour and that is the prophet of Malachi 4. But as far as everybody in the message following one pastor, that's false doctrine. Everybody in the message following one favorite evangelist or one favorite teacher, no, that's not the way God does it. Oh my, aren't you glad God loves diversity? Now when Ezra lifts up the book and unrolled it, now remember it was not in a book like this even though the English translation here says the book, but it would actually been a roll. So it would have been a parchment of skin and they would take different types of skin and they would write on it and this is of course what the Dead Sea Scrolls were and they would roll it up something like this and they would either put a string around it or sometimes a seal and then whenever they would go to read it, they would unroll that like this and then from the Hebrew they would start reading from the right to the left so here Ezra stands and whenever he unrolls the scroll the people stand up and they give honor and reverence to the word so the people remained standing while the law was read teaching from teaching early in the morning through the midday which means the congregation stood for five to six hours and this continued every day for a solid week. Five to six hours every day, no coffee, no donuts, no Duncan, no nothing else. I mean, they're there to listen to the word and Ezra is not necessarily, you know, just now going down through that and then pause and explain a little bit and then read a little more and pause, but he's actually reading. The explanation comes a little bit later on in the book and here they are. They are so happy to be hearing what God has said. Some of them, this is probably their first time that they've been exposed to so much word. What they would have had down in Babylon and then Persia would have been well grandpa said he remembers that they had a book and in that book one of the books was called Deuteronomy and, and they, the other one was called Numbers and another was Exodus and Leviticus and remember some of the prophets had not even been written. Now some of them of course remember uh, the certain sect of them when the Lord Jesus was here they only took the first five books of Moses so they would not even read Ezekiel, Lamentations, Jeremiah, Nahum, Ezekiel, all of the prophets. And whenever you read in the New Testament, the Bible says the law and the prophets were unto John. Now, there are those who are trying to take that scripture and say there are no more prophets in the New Testament. And when they do that, it shows how ignorant they are of the Bible. Because actually when the Bible refers to the law and the prophets, you'll find it several places. It's actually categorizing the Old Testament into those categories because it was the law, the first five books of Moses, and the prophets. So the New Testament is not saying there are no more prophets. Read your Bible. It would have not said that there was no more prophets and then turn right around and say there were prophets in the New Testament. Hello? Amen. 
Is that right? But this is the way that they divided it. And when the Lord Jesus come, think of it. There were people there on the earth that had never read the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah 7, 14, they didn't even know a virgin was going to conceive. Why? They only took the first five books of Moses. So they were in the dark when it come to other messianic scriptures. But then there were some, and they took not only the Torah, but they took the law and the prophets. So they were looking for other things, and here they were. They were Jews too, but they were more enlightened. Why? Because they had opened up and read another part of the book. So you see, it was so valuable that God have a man that would stand up and be able to open up the book and be able to declare what was in the book. Now, was the opening of the book there to point them back to Moses? Was it there to point them back to when the walls fell flat around Jericho? No. Was it there to point them back uh, to some of the great days when God used to do this or used to do that? No. But actually, the opening of the book was to enlighten them so they could find what was in the book for their day. Now the opening of the book is not just from a historical standpoint. So if we go to a library tonight, for those of you who still read these old-fashioned books, a lot of us are digital anymore, so we don't even have books. We don't read books no more like that. But if you would, and you would go into the library, and you'd want to go in and study some on the history of the Revolutionary War, or you'd want to study on Napoleon, you'd want to study on the Civil War, whatever subject that you'd want to study on. And maybe you're totally ignorant. You just heard a person and say this or that or the other. But then you would say, oh my, there's a trove, a treasure trove of books. And say, which one do I get? Which one? I don't know. Which one should I start with? Or maybe there's somebody there that's very knowledgeable. And it would so happen that they would be a, a Civil War buff, as we would call it, or Revolutionary War. And they could say, look, I can spare you a lot of time if you'll just take a little bit of advice from me. Well, who are you? Well, I've been studying on the Revolutionary War for the last 45 years. Well, you can be hard-headed and stubborn if you want to, but if that man's been reading on him for 45 years, he might be able to point me in a direction that might save me some time. Amen. Or I can be hard-headed and I can start on this end and read plumb down to there, and by the time my Alzheimer's kicks in, I won't even know what I read back here in Norway. Or I could condense it together and try to learn a little bit from somebody that's been there and done that, and I might get more accomplished. Well, come on, don't smile at me. So it is that way in the sense of the word that God not necessarily picks men who's been around forever in a day, but God picks men that are gifted and that are talented to go into the word. And then whenever they will get the word. Now remember, they're not bringing things that are new, things that are different, things that have not been said. They will always be bringing what has already been said. Is that right? I don't know about you. I'm not looking for another prophet. I don't see no other Gentile prophet. Well, come on now, don't get quiet on me. But I do believe that God still has the ministry of Jesus Christ 
on the earth tonight. The ministry of Jesus Christ is still an ongoing ministry. It's never died. Well, praise the Lord. Now, after he opened the word, then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people said, Amen. And the congregation then, they show their honor and respect by hearing the word. Now, notice, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. With lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So we can see then at the opening of the book that it had a great effect on their lives. What I find so amazing is that as long as the book was closed, we don't find them saying amen. We do not find them standing as long as the book was closed. We do not find their lives being so greatly affected until after the book became open. You understand? Now, what was that just by simply opening the book? Is that what it does? Well, my, if that's it, let's just everybody get a bunch, a bunch of books and we'll go to Walmart this week and we'll just start thumbing them down through there and see if it'll change people's lives. If the message books have power within them, themselves. Then start taking one with you everywhere you go and just go around doing this to everybody. My goodness, I mean, we'll just be saving everybody, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost, getting the sick healed, and we're opening the book. Well, you know that's not what I'm talking about. It is when we as the people of God have an understanding of not just what God used to do and what God did, but what is my position in the book now? What is your position in the book now? What are we supposed to be doing? Oh my. So you see, it affected even their posture, of course, moving from a sitting position to standing up, but it also affected their worship. Now, I'm not talking about just emotion now, but it affected the sincerity of their worship and brought their worship to a higher level. When they begin to hear the word, and as the book here says, with an understanding. So the opening of the book brought a revival of identification. Now, it was not like that they were gaining more Jews and they were getting more Gentiles to convert over to Judaism. Now, that's not a revival anyway. But a revival, the prophet has told us, is a washing of the trash out of our lives. So we're gathering around the word of God. We're gathering around what God wants us to do. Do we need a stirring from time to time? Yep, we sure do. Do we need to get more emotional sometime? Yep, we sure do. Anybody say amen to that? But you see, identifying themselves in the book of the law became more than just pointing that God sent a prophet and he said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. Okay, I've heard it over and over again. Now what happens with all of that? Then it becomes a tradition. Then, well, okay, why do you not cut your hair? Well, I don't know. It's just our church. Mama would whoop me if I did. Well, why don't you boys do that? Well, daddy would whoop me, I reckon. I don't know why we don't do it. Well, that's because the word has become a tradition to you. But at the opening of the word to them, what was it for? That God could bring the current light of the day. Now, they're not faced 
was another wall around Jericho. Well, Jericho had been destroyed hundreds of years before that, and it was no longer standing. So they were not there that God needed to send them hornets as he did in the days of the Exodus. But what was God wanting to do in that day? Well, they had to find their position in the word for that day. Well, what was it? Was it that they're going in to possess the land? Well, it was similar to what God told Moses, but not exactly. Because the land had already been given to them and the land had now come out of its Sabbath and now they've got to go in and build a wall. They've got to reestablish worship. They've got to move back into the land and enjoy the benefit of their inheritance. So God wanted them to fall in love again, listen to me, with the word to where they could find themselves in the word. You understand? Yes, so I don't want you to answer me now vocally, but I want to ask you and I want you to think about it. When we, we talk about the opening of the word and we talk about the opening of the book and the opening of the seven seal book, what does that mean exactly? What does that mean to you? To some, is it just a cliche? Something that you talk about and you've heard it talked about all your life as far as explaining it, you don't even have a clue. What does it really mean that the seals come open? So is the seven seals just another book that we have that's a black back book that has gold letters on it or, or silver or whatever they are and it's just by the random sending up our preaching and telling us don't do this and don't do that. You know, we're against denominations and we're against this and that and the other. Is that all the seals are? Is that all the opening of the book means to you? Or is there something more personal that the Lord wants us to see about ourselves? Now truly, they could be able to rejoice at the great things that God did. They could stand back and say, wow, what a great thing it was that God did to King Og and to Og of Bashan and what God did around the walls of Jericho and what God did in that day. But Og is dead. They don't need to find old Og no more. They've got new enemies. They're living in a new time. They're dealing with things that the children of Israel years ago did not have to deal with. Come on, children. We are dealing with things now Brother Branham never had to preach against. Preachers have got to preach against things now that you cannot find a quote for to save your life. That's why the devil wants us to push play only because he knows there will be things we cannot preach against that sin because we don't have a quote for it. That's exactly right. So the opening of the book, what is it? Just some words that we talk about? Well, I tried to listen to the seal, Brother Donnie. I couldn't understand. It ain't for me. It's just for the preachers to understand. No, that's not true. The opening of the seven seals is not just for the ministry alone. It's for every child of God. Just like it were those people of that day. And by opening the word as they heard it, they begin to hear the practical application of what God wanted them to do with it. Instead of just a historical standpoint, well, glory to God. God sent us a prophet so many hundreds of years ago, but alas, now he's gone and the, you know, he went up into heaven and we're just trying to struggle along, do the best that we can. That's not what God had in his mind. But God wanted them to find their self in the word. Now, people could find themselves in the book of the reading of the law. How much more should we as a people under a new covenant and the people of the new book 
Now listen to me, we are not a people of just the Old Testament alone. Because for the most part, the Old Testament said very little about us. It mainly written in the types and the shadows and a few prophecies about the Gentiles, Isaiah 61, and a few other places. But for the most part, we were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Now listen, whenever we look at the New Testament, we're able to see the merging together then of the saints of God coming into a body to where God had made two, took two, the Jew and the Gentile, and merged them together in the one man, Christ Jesus. And then from there, God was able to make the new body, which is neither Jew or Gentile, as far as rights and privileges above the other. But then we look and think, okay, so the Lord Jesus comes here, and he dies on the cross. If that was everything we needed, and it released all that we needed to our inheritance, why does John find himself in such a dilemma and revelation? When John looks there in heaven and he sees a book in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And the heavens were searched, under the earth was searched, the heavens were searched, the angels were searched, and there was no one found worthy to be able to open that book. Well, what would be the significance? I thought everything that we needed was already accomplished at the cross. It was bought at the cross. It was paid for at the cross. But the cross never revealed the opening of the seven seals. Now, I realize I'll get criticized for this, but what else is new? You know, I thank God for Calvary. I thank God for the cross. I thank God for the blood of Jesus. Anybody else in here thankful with me? But yet at the same time, me hearing about Calvary never brought me to what my position was in the last days. Now I heard about it, you heard me tell it over and over again. My first time as a little boy kneeling down there at the altar and I give my heart to the Lord and there's preaching about Jesus and being able to save you. Well, that's all I needed at the time, Brother Rob. I needed to know how to get saved. I didn't know how to get saved. So I go up there and I pray and I cry and ask the Lord to help me. And then I start going to my uncle's church and then I start hearing them talk about the Holy Ghost. Well, I didn't know, of course, what it was. And I begin to pray and pray and they come up and beat me on the back and all that sort of thing. But then one night it struck me. And I got more than just somebody beat me on the back because I started speaking in tongues and I spoke in tongues the rest of the service. My daddy packed me out, put me in the car and laid me in the back seat. I was still speaking in tongues as just a child and they carried me home laid me out in the living room floor and they laid there and spoke in tongues for however long so it was a real it wasn't just a gibberish it wasn't just a some make believe or somebody did, 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 did. there was nobody doing nothing me so I got something but was my seed opened was my soul birthed by the word for the hour it was not did I receive some genuine something at Pentecost? I did. But because my seed was predestinated to be born under the message of Malachi 4. Now I know there's somebody who's going to blow you away. But I could not have really had a true word burst until I got under the emphasis of the message of this hour. Because had I got it under Pentecost, I would have been sealed under Pentecost and I would come up in 
that day and answer in that day. That's why I had to move on. And that's why I'm not interested in going back to that. Well, come on now. Oh, I don't mind going back to Acts 2 because that's not what happened on Azusa Street. But I'm talking about the original. Yes, I wanted to go back to Acts 2. But I thought what they was preaching was Acts 2. But actually, it wasn't. So all of those wonderful things of experiences of the grace of God and the mercy of God that each of us have found the Lord Jesus at the cross. And yet, that did not open up to us who we were. Many of you met the Lord Jesus and some of you sisters kept cutting your hair right off. Some of you brothers kept smoking. Some of you kept drinking a little bit, doing this and that and the other. Why? Because you come to the cross, but the cross itself did not release unto you the full identity of who you were. No doubt some of these people here in Nehemiah chapter 8 had been taught some of the oracles and the principles of God and many of them knew it, maybe second-handed, but they knew it by knowledge. But now they're getting their own experience. You imagine this is their first time of actually being in a church service, as we would say, to where a minister would stand up and take the word and just read the word. And no doubt the anointing must have been there. It must have been an awesome time. For people to stand up for five hours, there's got to be something going on. Well, praise the Lord. I don't hear them read where there's any of them fell down and went to sleep and killed themselves. But they've done it. I'm, I'm talking about a week of revival. So there must have been something going on. And then from that week, it started out in one community after another. And there became a great national revival of them coming back to keep the feasts and the things that God said. But it began with them seeing the value of finding what does God want me to do? What does the message mean to me as an individual? Is it just, okay, I don't cut my hair, it's a long dress, we don't listen to rock and roll, we don't do this and that and the other. If that's all you've got out of it, you need the book open to you tonight. Because it's more than do's and don'ts. It is do's and don'ts. But it's more than do's and don'ts. It is you and I finding our position in the word of God and living there every day of our life until death comes and takes us or the Lord Jesus catches us away in a rapture. Does it get sweeter? It does as the days go by. Now turn them if you would to Revelation chapter 5 and let's look at something here. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside seal with seven seals. So it wouldn't have been a book like this but so you can understand it. If this would have been the seven seal book then would have had straps was the word that Brother Bram used. So it would have had seven straps around it. Each one of those straps would have been a seal. Now this book would have been sealed so that it was only made known to Father who sat upon the throne. It was the title deed of redemption. It was the very mystery of God. It was, if you will, his family album. It was his own personal diary of his spiritual genetics. Unlike us, we have to wait until our babies are so far along, thankfully now, you're able to go and of course find out a gender, you know, what your child's gonna be. But back in mine and Carol's day, you just had to wait till they was there and then you found out. But God, unlike us, could know exactly what age we were gonna come to the earth. He could predestinate us to be here, even know our name and know what age we'd live, how tall you would be, the color of hair you'd have and the color eyes you'd have. That's her papa. And he would be able to then write our name
names in his family album and have a record of it before you was ever born on the earth. Amen. I can serve a God like that, can't you? But the cross did not make that known. Isn't it amazing now that the cross itself, and yet we have uh, most of Christendom, all they do is just live around the cross. That's all they sing about. That's all they talk about. They never move beyond. I'm not talking about leaving the cross out of your life. But the cross points to a higher place in God. The cross itself did not open the seven seals. Remember, the Lord Jesus never opened the seven seals on the cross. By now when this Revelation chapter 5 is written, it's written around 96 AD, 95, 96, something like that. So the Lord Jesus has already been ascended up into heaven for about 60 something years as far as time on the earth. So why would he wait until that long to even reveal? Do you understand? Paul never knew as far as we have any record of in the New Testament. Paul never even mentioned the seven seals. Paul never knew as far as we know that there was any seven seals. Paul preached predestination, he preached election, so he preached much of what the seals was about, but Paul never used the word seven seals. Paul never used the word seven church ages. Why? There was no need for it to be said then. Paul never mentioned, Paul never even preached the vials. Paul was already gone by the time the book of Revelation was ever written. Paul never read, oh children, Paul never read the book of Revelation. You understand that? Peter never read the book of Revelation. Uh, many of the beloved apostles never read it. It was not for their time. And yet even them in their time, they were still preaching more than the cross. They they preach election, they preach predestination, they preach the holy life, they preach sanctification. Amen. Do a study sometimes and find me how many sermons Paul preached the cross in. Well, come on now, some of you preachers that think you know so much about the Bible, bring it to me. Well, if that's all there is to preach, why don't we follow their example? I'll tell you why preachers don't want to follow their example. Because they preach on holiness. They preach women couldn't get the pulpit and preach. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. They preach so much more than the cross. The cross was the beginning. If you can imagine the cross is a bridge that bridges your way back into the presence of the eternal. So the cross is not the end of the road. It's the beginning of the highway. Oh, praise be to God. For those who stop, they, they get across the bridge and they stop at the end of the bridge and say, well, glory to God, this is it, hallelujah, amen, we've arrived. But you just now come in to where you can start understanding what's on the road and the things that's down through there that God wants to reveal. Always somebody would preach with me tonight. Now notice, so John looks by vision and he says, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book? So now the Lord Jesus has already died, raised again, sitting right there on the throne of God as a mediator through these 60 some years since he's already ascended. And 
And yet here we are, they're still looking for somebody to open up and loose the mystery of the seven seals. So this is not pre-Calvary, but post-Calvary. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in the earth, nor under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. So there was no creature which had been created out of the great creations of God that could even just look on the book, much less to open it and be able to find the contents of what was there. No one was found worthy. So John looked and John starts, my, so emotionally starts weeping and going into it. And he says, neither to look thereon. And I wept much. Now John is actually carried up into eternity in the realm of this vision and he sees himself. Now John is identifying himself. Think of it. John is a saved man. John is a man that has the Holy Ghost. But John looks at this dilemma and he says, if nobody can open that book, what's going to happen to me? If nobody can open that book, wait a minute, John, are you questioning your salvation? Are you questioning what's going on? No, John knew he was saved. John knew he had the Holy Ghost. But the mystery of redemption did not lay just in the cross. The mystery of redemption did not just lay in the blood of the Lord Jesus, but it laid in the opening of the seven seals. The blood, the price was paid at the cross and the justice of God was met so the anger of God was appeased by the blood of his created human body which we call a son and now the justice of God was met so that a man a man, glory, a man could take the seven seal book. Well, what man? There was no man worthy. Oh, wait a minute. There was no man worthy on, under the earth. There was no man worthy in the earth. There was no man worthy. But there was one made worthy. It was the created man of God. Which was his own human body. Oh, praise the Lord. And I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Now where in the world did he come from? John had looked right there by vision and he hadn't seen him before. But now John looks again and he sees a lamb. Notice position where he's at. And I lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. So here the seals are going to be opened after the redemptive work of the lamb has already been offered on the earth. Amen. And then people say, oh, that stuff don't even matter. Well, if it's in the Bible, it matters. Ask John if it mattered or not. This man was tore all to pieces. He must have saw an emphasis, brother Scott, that I wonder sometime if we still grasp today. This was a saved man, a prophet of God, a man filled with the Holy Ghost. And yet when he saw this dilemma, he thought himself, there's no hope for me. There's no hope. It was more than just being saved. If being saved was enough, John said, I don't have to worry about that. No, how? I'm already saved. I'm a, I'm a prophet. Glory to 
God, I'll tell you one thing. I love the Lord. I go to church. And man, I've got everything I need. But when John looked at that dilemma, he thought, what's in that book? There must be something in that book that we need. And God's value upon searching all the earth and all the heavens and everywhere. And John Webber said, oh, no. Oh, no. If no one was found worthy, what can I do, God? Help me. What can I do? Oh, glory. Notice he saw a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Seven horns. Horns in the Bible represents a power. An eye in the horn represents seeing, the sight, the spiritual sight of God in every church age. And he came and took the book, glory, out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down, amen, before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Notice. When the book was opened, the book was taken in heaven, it caused a similar situation. As it happened in the book of Nehemiah, it caused individual relationship with God, and it changed their worship. Hallelujah. We have no record that they had worshiped the Lamb. This is the revelation that proceeded out of the very bosom of God. Here he was sitting on the throne, great spirit God, that great light which no man can approach unto. And John looks and then he gets his eyes all filled with tears in the vision. I remember a vision allows a prophet to be able to transcend time and mortality. And he moves into the fourth dimension. And he's able to move there and body travel as it were in time. And see things that were, see things that are, and see things that are going to be. And yet can come back to mortality just like that in a split second. And John was so caught up into the vision that John's tears were not eliminated. In the vision, John was weeping and he must have been so moved because something in that book was so valuable. Look, children, if that book was so important in heaven that someone had to be found, it was so important to John that he said, I wept much. What about the open book to you and I today? Oh, my. Hallelujah. Notice what happens to their worship. Verse 9. Oh, wow. They start singing a song they hadn't sung before. Now what what brings this about? Not just the cross. Now remember the lamb had been slain and they're able to recognize that. But what brings this new song? Glory to God when he takes the book. Now we know there was great rejoice. Of course there was. But remember, even the Lord Jesus, when he raised from the dead, and whenever Mary sees him there, and he tells her not to touch him because she reaches to touch him as she had done before. Ravona, which is being interpreted in Master. And he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended unto my God and your God, my Father and your Father. But go tell my disciples that I will meet them in Jerusalem. Now he raised up from the dead, manifest himself unto her. Now he's going to go and offer 
his blood as it were before the great altar which was in heaven. He goes up that morning, offers the blood. The prophet said he come back that night. Now remember he's in a body which can go beyond time. So he was able to appear and disappear. So he could appear to her in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and then change this travel like a salt. So now he thought I must be before the father's throne and he no longer thought it that he was right there in heaven in the seventh dimension. When he goes in the seventh dimension, he places the blood on the altar and the mercy seat and then comes right back down to the earth thinking again, I must be with my disciples. And again, he traveled as a thought. Oh, glory to God. That's what the bride's waiting for in the rapture to travel like a thought. Oh, I'll tell you, the other day, Sunday, when I come back from the youth camp driving over 14 hours, I thought and thought and thought, and I couldn't go no faster. <laughs> One of these days, we will, Brother West, we'll travel like a thought. Notice when this happens, what happens to them? And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to die on the cross. Thou art worthy to shed your blood. Notice the further administration of the Lamb in heaven is not now just, oh, the cross, the cross, the blood, the cross, the cross. They're not singing about the cross now. They're singing about the book. I think we need to sing about the book song. Thou art worthy to die on the cross. To give your blood, you're worthy to take the book and open the seal. Now, who are these? These are saints that are already in heaven. They're not needing a savior for their soul. They're needing earthly tabernacles. Hmm. Glory to God. Glory to God. They were not born angels. They were not created in a theophanic form. They was longing for earthly bodies. The cross could redeem their souls. Glory to God, children. The cross, the cross could redeem their souls and pay the price, but they were still in heaven without an earthly house. Somehow they knew the book contained their title deed to the earth. And if the earth can ever be brought back, their new body from the earth will be released. Oh, glory to God. It'll be more than, well, I got saved. Well, hallelujah. I go to church. Praise the Lord. I go to church. But they were in heaven. Think about where they were. They were in heaven. And they're still wanting something more than that? When people try to explain that to me and tell me there's no more need to just go beyond the cross, and you realize how ignorant people are. These people were there in heaven, Lance. They were in the presence of God. And when they saw the title deed, what was the title deed to? Not to heaven. God gave the title deed to his son. In that title deed was every parcel of ground 
that would ever be inhabited by eternal life. I hope you hear me. The title deed of your name and of your representation was in that book of redemption. It was a title deed of redemption to the earth, not to heaven. Heaven is not lost. God is in the heaven of heavens and it's never been lost. What was lost? My body. My home. My original condition. Praise be to God. He died and saved my soul. Look at me tonight. Look at you tonight. Our souls are saved. Our souls are filled with the Holy Ghost. But we're waiting for the body change. Oh, glory to God. Do we have the Spirit of God? Yes. Do we have the Holy Ghost? Yes. But what are we waiting for? The Lamb to claim the book. Mm. to claim us and match our soul with our bodies. What time is it? What time is it? 8.37. All right, that clock's been stuck at a quarter to nine for I don't know how long. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us. Notice they're not pointing to Moses. They're not pointing to Jeremiah or Ezekiel. But they were identified themselves with the lamb taking the book. I realize God did not send Brother Branham to everybody on the earth. But he did send him to me. Oh, I don't want him. Suit yourself. I do. Notice what they said. They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast, past tense, slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us. Us. Not Brother Ram. Notice when a person sees who they are from the book, they're not going to be constant pointing to mama or daddy or this great preacher or that great person, but us. Us. Any preacher, any teacher that's constantly pointing at himself, there's something wrong with him. The song of redemption, the revelation of redemption is not me, 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 me. It's us, 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 us. It's more than me. It's more than you. It's more than Happy Valley Church. It is us as the elect of God. and has made us. We didn't grow into it. We wasn't taught into it. We wasn't schooled. But we were made. Has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign. Notice they're not reigning yet. Where did they see? They saw something with the taking of the book that they did not see with the death on the cross. 
They don't say this whenever the lamb was slain. Notice, he just said it in the past tense. I was slain. Well, why didn't y'all say something then? Why are they so excited? Because when that book was taken, it was the title teeth. Several years ago when my daddy died, my and Harry's father passed away and the rest of our siblings. My brother Jamie, my youngest brother, lived right there by mom and daddy. So everybody, including Jamie, thought that Jamie would be the executor of the will. I didn't have no problem with that. I was living in Tennessee. Harry was here in Tennessee. So Jamie gets out the box that has mom and daddy's records in it. And he opens the will. And when he opens the will, he finds my name as being the executor. So Jamie then takes the box and the will and hands it over to me. Then I take it I've never been an executor before, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do and ain't supposed to do. And I got to reading it, it's kind of scary. You can be held liable for this and that and the other, and you know, all this that goes through. So I, I didn't know what to do, but the book was handed to me. So now I'm responsible. Then I had to go before a judge. My goodness, I sat there for hours in that courthouse. I heard drunks. You know, the judge dealing with them and liars and this and that and the other. I'm telling you, he was a rough old Kentucky judge too. He wasn't one of these left-laners. <laughs> By the time I got up there, I don't mind telling you, I was nervous. But as soon as I walked to the bench and walked up before him, he said, I understand your father and your mother's past. I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm very sorry. He changed the whole setting for me. It was in the power of the mouth of the judge. I was not there for robbing or for stealing or for public drunkenness. I was there to settle an estate. So therefore the judge looked at me and he was not there to judge me. He was simply, the glory to God, he was simply there to stamp and set in motion my legal responsibility as executor of the will. He did not walk out with me and get in my vehicle and go down the road and tell me to do this and that and the other. From that point on, it was my responsibility to find what I'm supposed to do. He didn't give me a book on how to be a good executor. He did not send me over to this lawyer's office and tell me how to be a good executor. I'm afraid that's what we've done to many of our people around the message. We've taught them how to be a good message believer. We've taught them how to do this and how to do that. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to meet the lamb himself. You need to meet the lamb himself and let him so fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you're able to take that will and say, Lord God, what would you have me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord Jesus? Help me to find my place in the book. Still quarter to nine. Of course, if I preach to 12, it'll still be a quarter to nine. Oh, don't you love him, children? 
so the book being opened had such a personal impact upon them that they said, us, us, you've done this for us. Not Moses, not Elijah, not Jeremiah, but for us. And who did they praise? It wasn't their pastor. It wasn't their teacher. It was the lamb. The lamb. Oh, sure, we need to comment, brothers. Sure, we need to tell them we appreciate them and all that. But let me tell you what they've done there in heaven. Look in verse 5. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands. So it was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Myriad is one of the Greek words. And it is innumerable. Innumerable. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in the sea that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that setteth upon the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Now we'll move from chapter five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head and his face that were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book. Notice, isn't it amazing that John sees it now, five chapters later, and it's open. Once you notice the size of the book, it was the little book. So it was not the book of life because it's a big book. It would have to be to hold the names of billions of people. But of course, the family diary, it'd be a lot smaller. Oh, and he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. Verse eight, you remember the rest of it? And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, go! And take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it. Up. It shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey and I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up and it was in my mouth sweet as honey and as soon as I'd eaten it my belly was bitter and he said unto me thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings we too needed the contents of the book opened 
what good does it do to the inhabitants of the earth if it's just open to heavenly residents? Why was it contained to the last days? Why? Paul didn't need it. Luther didn't need it. Wesley didn't need it. Where's the real understanding of these things going to be revealed? In the last days. That's why Satan's trying his best, trying his best to get you to question the credibility of God's prophet. Oh, yeah, they'll come 50 years after he's here, 60 years after he's here. Say, I'll tell you one thing, this and that and the other. Uh-huh. I'd like to see you done that when he was alive. And oh, yeah, I'd ask you, what color casket do you want? Because you may not walk out alive. Heard a tape the other day, and he said, in, in Iowa, 1958, and he said, I forgive you people who've been writing in here, writing me letters, saying you thought this was Beelzebub and an evil spirit. I forgive you, he said, and so does God. They said, you don't know me, but write the mayor of Jeffersonville. Write this official. Write the police force. Tells their names. Write mayor so-and-so. Write the police force. Write this man. Write that man. I thought, uh-huh. I think I might send that quote to a few folks. So if this man was an impersonator and a false prophet, you think he'd recommend for you to write the police department and check him out? Well, praise the Lord. Come on, saints. He didn't have nothing to hide. God don't vindicate a liar. Why don't you be honest? Your problem ain't with William Branham. Your problem's with God. You've got a psychological problem against God. Why would God vindicate a liar? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We too need the book open to us that the contents will be known. Well, brother, I don't want to say thunders and seals. And, no. It'll reveal to you your position in the Word. It'll give you faith in what God has called you to be and do in this hour. And it'll change your worship. Amen. You won't be a worshiping man no more. You'll be worshiping the Lamb of God Amen. to take us away the sins of the whole world. Let's stop. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that I was able to make sense out of what I was trying to bring get across to them. Lord, we want your Bible and the message to be more than just letters. No doubt there are scholars that know their Bible much better than many of us ever will. They could quote great things from it. But yet, Father, we know it's not enough to know the Bible. We've got to know the author. And if we know the author, then we're in love with him. Then when we pick up that Bible, we read it as a love letter from our husband to his sweetheart. Glory to God. So when we hear our husband say, I'll pray to the Father, and then that day you'll ask the Father, and we read scriptures in the New Testament about the Father, because we're in love with him and we know who he is. He ain't talking about an old man sitting up there in heaven. He's talking about himself in another form. 
because we know him in a love relationship. When we hear him say, go baptize in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and hear the apostles baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus, we read his book with a love understanding. So me, Brother West, and these brothers here could baptize people. We could read or quote the scripture of Matthew 28, 19, turn right around and baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, this day, this scripture is fulfilled because we're in love with the author. Father, if there's a man, woman, boy, or girl that's here tonight or streaming, dear God, they've been around the message, they've been in message pews, but yet, Lord, the book of their life has never broke open. We know that when you come, you come in the volume of the book. You come to change our book. When we were born, there was a book there, and our earthly name was placed on the top of that roll. The book of life, it's called. The record played for a little while with hardly any noise and static. Then our first lie, our first deceit. Then the record went on. We started doing more and more and we got worse and worse. And the music was getting darker and darker. But one day you got a hold of our lives. And you took that old book and cast it into the sea of your forgetfulness. And transferred our name over into the Lamb's book which is our marriage certificate. Praise be to God. And that old husband is dead. And his brother Tim's young people so beautifully showed it in their skit there, Lord. If we would stand before the judge tonight, the judge would pronounce these words, not guilty. Not guilty. But Satan would say, I've, I've, got, I've got pictures. I've got pictures of them drinking. I've got pictures of them doing this. I, I've got it on record on so and so and so. But you could say, I destroyed that record. I annihilated that record. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They are not guilty. Oh, glory be to God. How we ought to be rejoicing right here tonight, friends. How can such a declaration be made to those of us in our memory? Or oh, it reminds us constantly. We know of those things that we did in the past, but our judge became our attorney and he settled the case for us in his own court. He could not make someone else die for a penalty that he himself gave, but he could create himself a body. As I've said, Jesus could not be his own father but it don't say God could not become his own son. And he did. Out of the very heart of God, the invisibility of God come a visible image. And that visible image was the very heart of God. That's why people read the New Testament, they look at the Lord Jesus and they see a different person. It's not a different person. It's a different manifestation of the same person in the Old Testament. We never got to see much of it. Moses displayed him a little bit here. He was displayed a little bit there. God keeping the secret until he come on the earth. And now God in the last days keeping the secret of what he's been doing. Praise God. Now he's letting it out. Don't be around the knowledge of the secret. You don't need the knowledge of the secret. You need the secret. You need the secret. 
And the Lord God wants this secret to come from our heads to our hearts. Some of you have heard this secret preached since you were little things in church. And you think you know the secret because you have it in your head. But when that secret moves into your heart, your body will be changed. Drop it down, Lord God. Oh, grant it tonight, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thou art worthy to receive honor and power and riches and glory. Because thou wast slain and by thy blood, we will say as they said, thou hast already redeemed us to God. We have been redeemed. Our souls are sealed to the day of our redemption. Praise be to God. Hallelujah, Lord. You open the mystery of the seals and we know there's a reality form. The prophet tells us about it in Christ, the mystery that one day you'll come to the earth to take that book. That's the believer. The words on the pages. Lord God, what is the rapture? The gathering of the words. It's the final compilation of the book. Gathering a word here, a word there. You put it together, you got a page. You put that page with this page. You put that page with Paul. You put that page with Luther, with Wesley. You put it all in what? The New Testament bride book. And there she's raised before you. Hallelujah. And there will stand your New Testament bride. The word made manifest. Oh, we worship you tonight, Lord God. Oh, can we just take a few minutes, saints? Oh, my, how it ought to just thrill our hearts tonight in the presence of the King. Don't you appreciate the cross? Don't you appreciate the blood of Jesus and his mercy? Don't you also appreciate the opening of the book to bring back your title deed you know, Brother Ben made an odd statement and he said, well, Jesus gave me my inheritance. He said, oh, no, he didn't. He said, God, before the foundation of the world gave you your inheritance, but Jesus made a way by his blood so you could get your inheritance. Amen. Hallelujah. He purchased you and brought you back to your full inheritance. This is why we needed a prophet to come in the last days and restore our hearts back to the faith of that original word. There is not a church, there is not a message that Satan hates like he hates this message right here. There is none. Why? He knows. He knows if the real church ever gets a true revelation of who she is and what she can do and the two spirits that work within the framework of that church and will stand by the the spirit of God, that spirit of Antichrist, she will do the same works he does. And Satan will become powerless before her. Satan will become powerless. Why? When you look in the book and say, it's not just about Brother Branham. It's not just about John. It's not just about Brother Donnie. It's about me. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you. It's about the saints of God finding your place in the book. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. I bless your name with all of my soul, Lord. My soul has been redeemed. You breathe your breath into my soul, and it came to life, Father. 
Oh, but I'm longing for you to take the book. Hallelujah. I'm longing for you to take this book. I'm talking about the bride book from the earth. Change us, Lord. Put us together. Hallelujah. Put us together with Peter. Put us together with Luther. Put us together with Wesley. The Alpha will become the Omega. And when the Alpha and the Omega meet together, they reach down to those middle church ages which didn't have what the Alpha bride and the Omega bride had. Hallelujah, it'll infiltrate the whole churches down through the church ages and the church will rise in the power of the resurrection. For they without us are not made perfect. Doomed devils are on the run. Let me tell you something, you thought Goliath and all of them Philistines are scared to death of David? Ha, they ain't near scared to death as they are of a Holy Ghost filled child of God. Whether you're a man or a woman, you don't have to be power packed, you don't have to be a man to be full of the Holy Ghost. You can be a little girl that couldn't even quote 10 quotes word for word, but your soul is sealed with the Holy Ghost. You can be an old mama and maybe your memory's getting kind of faint, but when you get down on your knees, hell trembles. Why? Because you found your identification in the word. Amen. You said, I'm part of that book. I'm part of the move of God. Lord, my baby's got a fever. Lord, this going on. Lord, I need you. Then you don't have to wait for Brother Donnie to come back in town. You don't have to wait for Brother Daryl to come back in town. Jesus stays in town. Jesus is in town when I'm out of town. Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus is in country when I'm out of the country. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. Don't you love him? Brother Darrell, why don't you come and offer prayer? How many has a need tonight in your life, your body, your home? Let's ask the servant of God if he'll pray over our needs tonight. Oh, it's been a great night to be together. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads. Almighty God, how we thank you, Lord, tonight from the depths of our souls. Lord, to see these things that have been hidden, Lord, that the sages and prophets of old long desired to look upon. God, you and your love for us that we might come into our full position as sons and daughters of God have made these things known unto us. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight, Father. And Lord, we believe the authority has been given to us as sons and daughters of God. As David come against the Goliath, Lord, of his day, you have anointed your children in this hour to come against the Goliaths of this day, Lord, to slay our enemies, dear God, by the power of the spoken word. And Father God, tonight we believe, Lord, that these signs shall follow them that believe. And God, you see the needs of your children tonight. But, oh God, we stand under the authority given to us and we rebuke our enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. And we say, Satan, you're defeated. You was defeated at Calvary when Christ brought 
broke your back and you're a defeated foe tonight and we come against you in the name of Jesus Christ and we say take your hands off of God's property tonight we rebuke you Satan may you walk away from it tonight because we are victorious in the name of Jesus Christ we claim our healing of over oppression and depression and sugar diabetes and cancers and arthritis oh God and fear Lord and the things that the enemy tries to bring upon the people tonight but oh God the doors of the prison houses have been opened and we've been made free by the blood of the Lamb of God tonight and when we see our position even as Adam saw it dear God and he knew he was made in the image of God therefore he could speak God because the earth was given to him in his domain and oh God we know by the abstract deed that the prophet of God said we are given not only the earth but the entire universe belongs to the children of God and Lord we possess that tonight we said Lord in your word that we will possess the gates of our enemy tonight Satan is not the gate possessor we are tonight and we lock him out by the authority that's given to us as sons of God we do not base it on emotion we do not base it on sensation but we base it on thus saith the word of God and you will prove your word oh God and we'll stand upon it tonight and claim the victory Lord over every symptom over every fear over every devil over every besetting sin we will not go down we was predestinated God to go up Lord we are the people of the rapture hallelujah oh God and we're coming into our position Lord and we thank you for it tonight oh God I ask you Lord by the same anointing that raised my Lord from the grave by the same anointing that gave Jessica back to me may that same anointing tonight oh God move upon every need Lord we pray oh that your children can go free tonight we lay down our fears we lay down our sickness we lay down our symptoms tonight and we walk God as sons and daughters of God made in your image Lord oh blessed be your name oh God we receive it tonight we receive our healing in the name of Jesus oh hallelujah oh thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus we receive it tonight in the name of Jesus do you believe the report tonight you just raise your hands and thank him for it thank him for it tonight thank him for what he's done for you oh do you realize your name was in that book before there was a star before there was a moon oh hallelujah hallelujah you were in his family album I'm a ward by blood that's my DNA hallelujah we're sons and daughters of God by the blood of Almighty God he is our father and our mother blessed be the name of the Lord hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus amen and amen oh thank you Lord oh hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus do you love him friends hallelujah hallelujah I read one time of a man he was from New Jersey a Jew he was a Native American award-winning flute player why would a New Jersey Jew be a Native American award-winning flute player 
He was raised in New Jersey, raised in a Jewish family, went through all the Jewish rituals. But one day a man came to the door with a book. And the book was opened. And in that book it revealed to that man who he really was. He was not a Jew. He was a Sioux from off the Rosebud Indian Reservation, been adopted as a baby. And when the book revealed to him who he really was, he went back to the native way, the red path. Hallelujah! He started playing a flute because he realized that was in him because that's who he was. Signs follow the believers because that's who we are. They may lay us in the grave, but we get up out of the grave. We get up out of the grave because that's who we are. Amen. Hallelujah. The open book has revealed to us who we are. I was never a Methodist. I was never a Catholic. I was never a drunk. I was never a drug addict. I was a son of God. Amen. And the opening of the word has revealed my true identity. And the gates of hell can never take it away from me. Hallelujah. You're coming into your inheritance. It's time to possess the land. We can pass this mountain long enough. Turn ye northward, amen. The compass is pointing the way home. The compass is pointing the true way home, amen. Oh, boy. For your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Let's sing that again I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God and all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so Goodness 
you did. Amen. Appreciate our pastor obeying the Lord tonight. Let's just go remember the services at the weekend. Let's just sing this. Aren't you glad he thought you were worth saving? Let's sing that as you go tonight. You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping so you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life you thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving so you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free I could be whole I could tell everyone I know you thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life 
so I could be free, I could be whole, I could tell everyone I know. You thought I was worth saving, 